Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 174 tonight. We're going to be talking about music and psychoactive compounds and how those two intertwine. Um, you can head on over before we even get started. Indra's Web is live, so go to indrasweb.org and sign up for an account. Um, you, all the stuff we discuss on these podcasts and metaphysics and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's the perfect place to discuss those and, you know, put your theory and hypothesis out there or just joke around and have a good time about these topics, too. So go check that out. And then head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash mindescapepodcast. Um, for just $2 a month, you'll get exclusive content. Uh, I just uploaded an episode that we did with Lee Adams after uh, the last episode we did on Indra's Web. So that's up there. And... Um, I did a Patreon episode with Jack uh, from Trip Whip uh, about a week ago. That's up there, too. That one's exclusive, completely exclusive. We did not do that on YouTube Live. That was when Maurice was out of town. So just uh, $2 a month, we'll get you access to those. And then we have done one secret episode, and we're probably going to do another one here soon. So that's another tier in there for you. So just head on over to Patreon. And, uh, yeah. Oh, also join us on Discord. It's getting pretty active on there. We've got some good conversations going, so head there as well. What's going on? Not much. What's the good word, my man? <sighs> Nothing. Just uh, just living. Living the dream. <clears throat> so uh, I thought this would be a good topic just because, um, I don't know, I was listening to music the other night, and I haven't been listening to it as much lately, and it sounds weird, but I listen to so many podcasts and book on books on tape, um, you know, all these different mediums to get information for research and just, you know, that kind of a thing that I really don't listen to as much music anymore, but when I do, I thoroughly enjoy it. It's like, um, I don't know, it's kind of weird, because I, you know, we played music forever, we were in bands, I played you know, music and bands out here in Chicago and, uh, music was my life for like a long time. So to not even really listen to it, it's been kind of a weird few years here. Yeah. I think I was talking about it in a previous podcast where I don't really smoke cannabis anymore and I don't drink. So my real only, uh, altered state is when I'm listening to music. If that makes any sense, like, I, I think you got to kind of be pretty sober to have that to feel that effect but what are you listening to these days like what's your anything new or is it some older stuff still or well i listen to i i mainly spend my time on on pandora and um here let me i I have it i have it dialed in pretty darn good where i just do do you pay for it or is it the just the complete shuffle where you don't know what's coming on next no well i do pay for it so i don't have any ads but i uh i have the shuffle and you know some of my some of my stations, Thievery Corporation, which is more like a mellow techno, but they have like a real band. You know those guys, right? Yeah, I've heard of them. That's pretty cool. You know, obviously the the uh, the, the classics, the Grateful Dead, the Grey Boy All Stars, the band, um, Radiohead, Fish, 
uh, Bela Fleck, my morning jacket. It's a, it's a good mix. And then I have like the Beastie Boys radio too. So even if it's not necessarily the Beastie Boys, it'll play. Cause I do like nineties, uh, hip hop and stuff like that. I, I'm not a, too big of a hip hop fan now, but I like the old school stuff. So I mm-hmm. kind of have a mixture again, you know, Bob Marley. So it's anything from reggae to hip hop to jam bands to, to like the new age, you know, like techno jammy funk. I guess it's called like acid jazz. So what you mean, like uh, the New Deal, or I got them on there. I love that stuff. Yeah, I told you about that show I went to, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, that's actually one band that I've never, <clears throat> I haven't gotten to see yet, and I would love to. I think they came back. I don't know if they're touring. Obviously, no one's touring right now, but I think they came back right uh, before everything went down. So maybe in a year or two, I'll, I'll get a chance to see those guys. How was that? Uh, so that was a while. I mean, it was a while ago. It was when I, I think. We, when I was in my early 20s, uh, when I was still going downtown and partying a lot in Chicago. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I want to... Okay, so I, they didn't go on until like midnight or something. And um, it was a super long show. It was probably like four or five hours. I just remember like partying my ass off. Definitely at that time, I think I was um, maybe skiing a little bit. Maybe oh, you yeah. know, a little... Hitting the slopes. Little cannabis action, you know, a mm-hmm. uh, little mixture. Um, and I remember walking out and it being light outside. It was like one of those movies where it's like you're at an incredible party and you walk outside and it's light out. That's kind of what that show was. I walked out of the Metro, which is this venue uh, in Chicago, and it was just, it was like daylight outside so, or like the, the morning. So, well, uh, bars in Chicago that you can stay open till five anyway, right? I don't know if it's five. Like I think four it's four. Or five? I haven't okay. been bar and super, even obviously before everything that's going on now i wasn't really much of a bar person to begin with you know me so right but i mean in your early 20s you know college and after college it was it's a good time so absolutely well even to see like a band we were talking about the best shows we've ever seen and we both agreed that the gray boy all-stars mm-hmm. was one of the better shows and i remember i like these intimate shows at these smaller venues that are they're like half bar half venue um and that was one of my favorite shows. I know you got to see them at more of like a, like a, was it in a more of a medium-sized venue? Yeah, so I saw them at the House of Blues in Chicago. Oh, man, that was uh, awesome. With a couple buddies from back home. And um, yeah, it was one of the top shows. Um, and everybody was dancing. It was this complete vibe. There was this whole thing happening where... Um, the, the house of blues was strict for like not allowing, you know, cannabis or, you know, people trying to smoke and that. Well, that was, that that was the whole scene back then. Right. But people still in that place, man, it was just smoked out. Number one. And number two, I could feel the ground move. You could feel like, and it's a beautiful, the inside's like a beautiful, um, it's got like a cool vibe, you know? Um, but yeah, there's like multiple floors and stuff, but yeah, that show, uh, Carl Denson and uh, all those guys were just ripping that night. Is the House of Blues right there off the river? Yeah. Yeah, I went there with the last time at ball well, two times back when I was in Chicago. I went there uh, with my ex girlfriend. There wasn't even a band, but we kind of just walked around. And I think it's a beautiful venue. I'm sure the acoustics and stuff are awesome there. Yeah. It's made for music, so I would assume they would be. Yeah, I used to go there a lot, actually, in Soul Live and. Um, Sound Tribe both used to play there a lot, um, and I w- didn't really like Sound Tribe, so I would just go for Soul Live. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, yeah, good shows, good good venue, good acoustics. Soul Live's a great band. I've never seen them live, but they're kind of along the lines of like a Galactic. Yeah, I mean, I like Soul Live better. I've seen Galactic too. I saw Galactic with Minnie back in the day in Detroit. I think at one of those. Um, I'm trying to think what venue that was. Maybe the State Theater. Yeah, so me and Michael were actually lucky. When we were in high school, our friend's mom worked for uh, WDET. It was like a pretty well-known radio station. They played all kinds. It was like NPR News, but then at night they had like hip stations where that the DJs would actually still get the pick instead of, the, of a computer picking the songs. They yeah, had she people had, actually picking songs. She had and, phenomenal taste in music. Oh, um, yeah, she was awesome. And she like you played a lot of like Jimi Hendrix stuff, but played a lot of like new stuff, jazz, acid jazz. Um, That's how I was turned on to half the music. We would local go to our acts, house. you know, just stuff from around the world too. If it sounded good, you know, and she was a musician herself too, so um, she kind of recognized what good music was. And there was lots of nights where we would just listen to that as opposed to like a CD or whatever. iPods were kind of new at the time, so. So on top of getting introduced to this is where i like learned about zappa and like you were saying all kinds of like even like african like world music pretty much jazz of all degrees pat Metheny and this and that but she would also get free tickets whenever these musicians would come to town she would get a bunch of free tickets and she was kind of older at the time and i'm sure she went to a bunch of concerts in her heyday but she would just give us the tickets so we, she I still went I, to a lot of shows though too i mean i've you know she still went to a lot of those i mean some of those concerts i think we probably both you know were at or whatever yeah i I just remember going to see pat metheny and uh sitting in the orchestra pit so we were like four rows back and we i we had a couple of edibles and um i don't know for some reason edibles and me don't mix and i just remember getting a little scared (laughs) and we got invited to go backstage and meet the band after and i was like kind of like paranoid i was like i don't want (laughs) to i don't want to do this so now i'm looking back like what an idiot i was i gave up the opportunity to meet one of the sickest jazz guitar players of our time right oh well what are you gonna do yeah um so i think though what, what comes into play with all these things is since we've been into music, we've also kind of been into some of these. I mean, obviously we liked music before that, but um, I think our love and appreciation for music also was kind of spawned out of us being interested in like, you know, the sixties counterculture and grateful dead and like um, all the books that we've talked about, like the electric Kool-Aid acid tests and all of Hunter S Thompson stuff. And, Mm -hmm. um, reading all those books on the road with Jack Kerouac and just having that kind of appreciation for that spirit of adventure mixed, you know, with the music mixed with psychoactive compounds. I think, um, for me, you know, when I play guitar or whatever, it always, um, you know, I, for me, cannabis and guitar have always gone kind of well together now that it's, you know, uh, recreationally legal here. I think that, um, you know, it's just weird to think about because back then it was such a different, so taboo. Well, yeah. And it was just such a different, you know, and we sound old saying it, but just, it was like such a different time back then. Well, that's ingrained into my psyche now. Whenever when I see people out smoking, I'm like, these guys better be careful. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like it's been beaten into my mind so much where I guess it'll always just be legal to me, which I don't know. The kids that are 20 now, it's just going to be like 
like beer or even more laid back than beer. Again, I would rather have my children partake in cannabis than, than drink because I've done some of the stupidest stuff ever while on booze. And I think when you're smoking, you're just every all your your senses are heightened, so you're just aware. You're super aware of you're everything talking about that you're doing. If in one day when people become adults is what you're saying. Absolutely. That, yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, I think um, we live in a weird time where there's a lot of craziness, but then there's also things like this happening and you see the cannabis movement and the psychedelic movement and all this stuff kind of playing out. And I think that... Uh, <clears throat> I think we need more good music. I guess I feel lately I feel like that's I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Um but don't you don't you get the vibe of like it's not even really necessarily about the music, actual music aspect of it anymore. It's not I just feel like I see less creativity. Yeah, no one's using the music like in the 60s Let's, we can all agree that whatever we're going through in our time in our lives right now is comp I wouldn't say it's comparable but there's there's definitely stuff to write about within politics and this and that and whatever the world situation is back in the 60s people were taking it to the streets they were using music as a form of art and a form of protest and it just feels like everybody's kind of just lazy about it now that like they don't even want to take art and use it as the, the power that it once was. But I don't know, maybe people just think it's cheesy to write a song about protest or whatever. What do you think of that? Um, yeah, I mean, look, like you said, those two things go hand in hand. But I think that there's a lot of things happening. If you look at like the state of which psychedelics and academia and medicine is now compared to where it was then, it was used then until like the 70s, I think, before... Uh, obviously it all kind of went downhill, but, um, it was viewed as like to counterculture to even partake in something like that. You know, there's, yeah, people wouldn't even go to like regular therapy back then, let alone, you know, it was like weird if somebody's like, Oh, I, I'm going to see a shrink or, you know, mm-hmm. back then that was even looked down upon itself. So you take into account where we are with the mental health thing. And I think that, um, it, it's a completely different time in my opinion, um, obviously, but I mean, in terms of like where we're at and where it was back then, but I'm just talking about purely music. So like that aside, um, I think that you see less like push for actual, I don't even know, like, uh, composition and musicianship. It just seems like we're uh, it's, it's whatever it's tied to like social media. So you, if you look good, if you, you know, you sound good, then you might get more people kind of a thing, you know? And mm-hmm. I'm not saying there's not good people out there. Of course, there's amazing musicians out there. I just feel like in general, there's less good music. I feel like I'm listening to more older things than I listen to. Cause when I try and listen to new things, it's like two minutes long and there's not enough of the, the juicy parts, you know? What I'm well, I think it I think it boils down to the risk factor and you can see that kind of with the movies that are made everybody's so worried about pleasing somebody else they're not just going to stay true to their original idea and back I, I don't know I, I I consider back in like the 60s and the 70s that's like one of the hair like that's one of the the better days for cinema and for music 
and people were just like willing to be themselves or they were willing to just put themselves on the line and if people liked it they liked it if they didn't then they could they didn't give a damn and do, do you think though that that might have to, to your point though do you think that a lot of this has to do with maybe um everything's like reality based in terms of like TV and like social media a lot of the stuff's reality based is till mm-hmm. back back then you, you were forced to kind of use your maybe imagination a little bit more you didn't have the internet at your fingertips you didn't have all these resources that we have now so do you think that that kind of played into that yeah i i think that uh like people were forced to be more creative because they didn't have all the outlets and tools that they do now right right like what sometimes when you're more restricted you have to come up with better creative ideas to 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 do whatever you're going to do I don't know. I, the atmosphere is so different that it's hard to pinpoint one thing. Like I was saying, back then they were protesting. They were doing this. They were doing that. And we still have stuff that you could do that for. But I just feel like everything as a whole is just lazier. Like if you're going to get into a room. Like think about the the biggest artists today. It's one. It's usually just a person. It's either one person or two people. And they're they're doing their thing. That's and what I'm saying. So it's like more a like a marketing thing than it is an actual like uh techne you know like this ancient greece thing it's like a calling or like an art or whatever like it's it's become less of that and become more of like a money making app which i I, look i don't blame people if you can make a living as a musician that's awesome i mean i think that that's everybody that's ever played an instrument's dream right is to make a living doing it i'm just saying that maybe that the business side of things or maybe the market side of things is kind of taken away from um i don't know but I do hear stuff I like. I just think that there's not enough of it, if that makes sense. Well, I think sense. the whole concept of a recording artist has kind of been thrown out the window. People are, and I relate this to movies too, you see people are just making stuff to either make money or to get, to make a name for themselves. They're not making a piece of art with something or some meaning behind them. Obviously, there's going to be outliers, but to, for me, the art you got to have something like you want to you want to say something with it like i have a couple of short short film ideas and i'm saying something within them and i'm not just going to make these things just to make them i want to ha- i want to say something with them and i'm using either film or music as my artistic medium where some people would use a, a canvas and paint or someone would use a, a camera and take a picture or you can use a song and there's a, there's obviously a bunch of different ways you can you can get your your art into the world but i think the connection and the the message behind what you're making that's the bigger piece and i think back you know in the older days people were that's what their their ultimate goal was and now your ultimate goal could be being famous on facebook yeah look I, to be honest though the best musicians that i hear now are like these like random people that are like paid for ads on like Instagram and stuff like those are some of those people are super talented. And the fact that they even have to pay that people wouldn't want to see that over the garbage is kind of, you know, you have a couple people that you, that come to your mind. Well, okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, but I mean, I don't know their specific names, but yeah, I follow people now on Instagram. And I'm like, wow, that person's really talented. You know, I uh-huh. like what they're doing. I like those cadences and the music. I like the flow of it. I like the vibe. Um, I will say that, like, I mean, this guy's been around for a little bit, but, like, in terms of, like, what we like, like, jam band or, like, bluegrass type stuff, uh, that Billy Strings is unbelievable. I mean, he's a super, super sick player. 
Yeah, yeah. I've checked him out. I like I like his <clears> stuff. <throat> I came across this this band called The War on Drugs and I I was like, I love these this this band's unbelievable. They're brand new and then I looked into them. They're they're not so new. It's like 30 years old. <laughs> <laughs> like these guys have been around for a long time. Well, I'm no, just... I sent you that uh, there's that Wild Wild Country. Yeah, um, the stuff from that soundtrack. That yeah, stuff this, looks cool. That that music's really Look, those guys that made that documentary did a really really amazing job, but uh, I think that the flow of those songs in that documentary just went like really hand in hand together. And if anybody's never, if any, you know, anybody's ever seen wild, wild country, I highly recommend it. I don't know if it's still on Netflix or what, but it's probably one of the better documentaries I've seen recently. Um, but so I, I guess just, yeah, like where I'm at, like, look, I like all types of music. I like, uh, jazz jam band stuff. I like rock. I like rap, you know, like I like, I like, bluegrass you know i like yeah, i can ev- find a good good song <clears throat> in pretty much every style i like everything i just you know even uh if it's got a good melody i really like it and i feel like that's probably part of the problem is melody and cadences i don't hear enough deceptive cadences in music anymore and i don't hear enough uh melodic originality mm-hmm. like you kind of know where the song is going to go yeah um have you ever seen the movie um her is that the one with uh, uh, Joaquin? Yeah, and he's Davis. talking to, he's dating his phone or whatever. Yeah, he's dating or his Siri uh, or whatever. You know, pretty yeah, pretty much. So in that movie, the operating system that he like kind of falls in love with, she, you know, it's like based on an AI, and the AI starts to learn and this and that. But in the in the, she she writes music for him. She's like, this is how I feel right now, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on because pretty much all that is is just taking an algorithm because. There is like a math aspect to music, which like the way music sounds and like the way, you know, chords are built on you know, triads and things like that. There is there's a mathematic um, relationship to it. But at the same time, there's an emotional aspect to it where math doesn't have that emotion within it. And that's why people love music, obviously, because it, it touches different emotions in their body. But I, I wanted to know what your thoughts are, because in that movie, well, it's, it's it's obviously written by a human, but we're not far away where you could open up a program and go, I want a song in 4-4. I want it to be in a minor key. Right. Boom. Computer, make this song for me. And well, it look, might come I, up with something cool. I don't know. I mean, I use Logic Pro. You know, that's what I use when I mix this podcast, If you know, for the audio version. And this is... I use Logic Pro when I recorded yeah, my band program. when I was still playing in bands. We recorded CDs on there. Um, I like doing all that stuff. I like engineering. And look, you can add a drummer in. Um, the intro song on our audio platforms, I wrote, I, I, that's my composition. And I added a, 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 the drummer, like I tweaked, you know, you can add uh-huh. in, do you want the hi-hat? Do you want this? You know, I added that in, but it is a virtual drummer basically. So, the dr- Well, the drumming I don't have as much of a problem with because the drumming is just more of sound, like hits and beat. It's not necessarily tonal, you know, it's not a tonality type thing. It's right. just, which uh, people have been programming drum machines. I'm actually on, on the, the album I'm working on right now. I've done a couple of, I've done a mixture of things. I've programmed a beat from the get go and then I've also had a drummer come in and then he would play a track and then I would take the hits that he did a human made and then I would put it into a computer and then I'm changed. I used his hits and everything, but then I put a, a, a real drum effect. Like it's a real snare being hit, but mm-hmm. because of where we're, we're like, it's the hardest thing to record is, is drums pretty much. And 
unless you have like a phenomenal studio, it's hard to capture the drum really, really well. Right. So we were taking artificial, but they're real drummy, they're real drum hits, and then putting those over what he did, and it's kind of a cool mixture. But again, I'm just my band consists of me, you know, and then hiring other people to to do stuff that I can't do, either play the piano or the bass or whatever. But right. I think that's kind of a cool thing. And I, I, I don't poo-poo any of that kind of stuff. Like, I like, yeah. you know, we talk about the band Radiohead. They use a real drummer, but they also do programming drum drum beats and stuff like that, too, which can be cool on its own. I, think I mean, there's, there's a lot of cool things you can do now, too. There's even Ableton, where you can sync, like, if you're a live band, you can sync some of the electronic stuff with, you know, if you're playing to a click track, you can do... Yeah a ton of things you know there's it's there's infinite possibilities actually when you start doing that and like you can add in layers of sound and do a lot of cool stuff and when i was still playing old friends used to do well that's what i was gonna say when we were still playing in bands that's what we were trying to do i had all these um loop machines and uh trying to implement you know audio that way and it's not easy but if you can get it down it's definitely uh it sounds sounds sick so it's super hard too if your drummer isn't spot on you have to be yeah, to a flick. It has to tough. be crisp it has to be right on the downbeat so um but yeah i mean look so i wanted to do this i was actually partially inspired we're gonna have uh matthew johnson uh who's a psychedelic researcher from john hopkins he's gonna be on i think saturday at like eleven thirty uh eastern time p.m or Beautiful. or a.m i'm sorry and mm-hmm. uh so if any, oh, also if you're interested in what shows are coming up, as I know them, I'm starting to post them on our Discord. So if you're on our Discord channel, there's a channel uh, on there that I added to put when our future or upcoming episodes are going to be as I know them. Anyways, he's going to be on. So, but he just um, tweeted out, I think a couple weeks ago, it's a psilocybin, the John Hopkins psilocybin playlist. So it's like an updated one. They did one initially that was like all classical music. Uh-huh. And then they just redid it where I think it's like 20, 25% classical or, or kind of a um, carryover. And then some of the stuff on there is new. There's like soundscapes and flute music and indigenous sounding music and like those soundscapes that kind of sound electronic-y. So there's like a, a mixture of a bunch of different, you know, types of things on there. I love that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so that that brings me to the point, like what's the interaction with um the compounds psychoactive compounds and music and as a guitar player i mean there's just something creatively that unlocks uh when you get into that realm i've played shows even on psilocybin and i've seen live concerts on psilocybin and i think that um it's a lot (laughs) it's a lot better to be on the listening side of things because there's just so much going on on the other side of things but well i think it depends on the pressure too because I've I've only played music once on psilocybin, but I wasn't it wasn't in a concert format. I was in a basement, and it was just super laid back, and you could do whatever you wanted. And it was one of the best musical experiences of my life. I literally it's so cheesy to say, but I literally could see notes. Well, I was playing the bass too, so it was just like I could lay back, and it, I wasn't like demanded to to keep a beat or to play a melody or anything. I could just lay back, and I was grabbing notes yeah. out of the air. It was quite interesting. Yeah, I know uh, Trey from Fish talks about that too. There's this element of like when you're in that zone or that like flow state where, yeah, you just know kind of what you're going to do next. And from like an improv 
standpoint like when you're improvising you know like we're into jam bands we've played in jam bands when you're improvising um there's something unique happening you're creating in the moment with other people that are creating so there's this whole different vibe and there's a little like uncertainty but then Mm -hmm. the payoff is just delicious i mean right that it you know it gets to the point where it's like you know, it's probably one of the best feelings in my opinion. You know, you get the chills or goosebumps or whatever you call it. You hit the perfect, everybody converges like harmonically and it just feels, it's like, wow, you know, that's, that sounds like something I would have listened to, you know? Well, that's, that's interesting to say because some people, I've asked a lot of people this because like my first experience with music is I was three or four and my dad would put on the Yes album and put on the song Roundabout. And I always would just say, put on the song that gives me the feeling. Like, I didn't know what the <laughs> name of the song was. But he knew that it was the song Roundabout when it, when it starts with a buildup and then the harmonic hits. And then the acoustic comes in and then the song starts with that crazy bass line. But I never understood what was going on. And I would get the chills, just like you're talking about. I would get these feelings, this euphoria feeling, almost like you are taking a drug because we'll get back to this, you are changing a vibration that's surrounding you with the music. Vibrations. But, but uh, my whole point is I've asked people, and some people say yes and some people say no, but some people don't get chills from music, which I thought was pretty interesting because yeah. it just goes to show you that some people have more of a connection. I don't know if we're we're just more aware of what's going on or, and this isn't necessarily on you know a cannabis or a psilocybin or anything. It's You could be bone sober, but I think I definitely get this. That's why I love music so much is it gives me a chill. It gives me a feeling. It gives me even maybe a sadness sometimes. And it doesn't make me like feel sad, but I feel the sadness and it's almost like a happy sadness. I don't even know how to explain it. That's why I like gravitate towards like sadder music. Right. Yeah. And I look and I, I, I just, when we talk about like the kind of music that we're into, I know people are like, Oh, fish or like grateful dead. But um, is the reason why I like them as a musician or somebody that plays music? It like inspired me number one to get a guitar, improve myself to the point where you've got professional grade guitar. You're playing professional shows like that. Like Fish Trey inspired me to do that. You know, so that's yeah. the affinity that we have for them. And number one, number two, um, the composition that went into Fish's stuff is just. I think it's unparalleled to a lot of modern bands. I mean, well, let's let's clarify their earlier stuff. Their earlier stuff, the newer stuffs. You know, some of it's basic. You know, as far as um, chord changes and stuff like that. But but you uh, can't fault the band because you got to evolve as a group. And I've seen bands like well, the who, who else is going to sell out Madison Square Garden thirteen nights in a row or twelve? You know, whatever it was that you know they played Madison Square Garden thirteen nights in a row. There's you know sold out more there than Billy Joel. Right. But what do you, what are your takes on a band like a Foo Fighter where they found a formula? I like the Foo Fighters. I do too, but they haven't, there's the songs that they're writing now are just like the songs that they were writing 10, 15 years ago. They haven't really, it feels like they found their, their sound, they found their formula and then they're mm-hmm. just going to roll with it. Whereas a band like a, uh, a smashing pumpkins where there is that pumpkins element. Right, but they've the, the songs they wrote in you know twenty five years ago are a lot different from the the songs that they're hey writing man, today. I mean, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. I had that double disc back That's in phenomenal. the day. It's some of the best shit you can write. I mean, yeah, the music, the feeling. I would say there's probably four songs that I would like pass over every time. Like, yeah, that's a little too heavy. 
yeah. journey, you know. Right, but the t- the, the way went that to, they recorded that. went to that. 12 or 13 with that distortion. I'm good on that, but. <laughs> I listen to that with headphones, and you some of that music, I, I it still baffles my mind that the tones that this guy's pulling well, all, out. All this stuff's guitar. like analog, too. That's what I'm saying, this digital stuff. I mean, look, I love Logic. I love, you know, producing digital stuff. It's easy. You don't need all these processors and compressors and analog stuff to do everything. But I thought, I think that that stuff sounds better. It just does to me. Like, that's why my guitar rig was has always been analog i like tube amps and i like analog pedals i just do well i think that there's actually science behind that every time you add more digital stuff to it it decreases the quality of the sound that's why a lot of people gravitate towards vinyl they think that the sonic value from a vinyl is just so much better than an mp3 and i think right the files like like an mp3 and things like that i think they scientifically they are diminished quality sound files but I, I i'm not a i'm not a scientist so you you gotta check me on you're that. not oh man i do love the sound of a vinyl and i don't know if it's because of the sonic value there's like there's two parts usually if someone has a vinyl do you have a turntable i have a turntable but i don't have any speakers or anything and that was what my point you say was you should get that hoist that just they just re-released that hoist. Dude, i have all kinds of i have picture and nectar never played at once i have like on vinyl yeah, on vinyl. Uh, I've, dude, I have Wilco, Fish, Radiohead, uh, Flaming Lips, all brand new albums see those, that's been played. Those dudes are original. Flaming Lips, that shit's original. Not just the music, but like the show that they put on and those like bubbles and the confetti and the lights yeah, and the I've craziness. Yeah. Sp- spreading love and happiness. I mean, come it, on. It blows the mind. It does. Um, no, but I do like... I mean, what are they most known for? Is that one song, right? The Flaming Lips. The er- no, the early. What's the early? Oh, uh, that she don't. She don't use jelly. Yeah, that was back in the day. That was when like Dookie came out. That was back mm-hmm. when Stone Temple Pilots Purple came out. But even like that, I mean, Flaming Lips is a perfect example of a band that has progressed over the years. Where they were playing rock and stuff in the early '90s, like she don't use jelly, and then they started coming up with these concept albums like Yoshimi Battles, the Pink Robots. That album's unbelievable. What's I the have, one? Uh, Isn't there a um, Flaming Lips where you play four things at the four turntables or CDs at the same time yeah, and it plays yeah. like a CD out of that? Yep, that's the crazy stuff. I know. Uh, there's Look, there's some interview, like Tool. I'm not, look, I like Tool's music. I think it's good. I'm not like a huge Tool fan in, in that regard, though I'm not going to sit there and listen to like a ton of it. Good old uh, stink fist. Uh, but there's their album covers and like the, the the art behind it and like the lyrics and, you know, that kind of stuff. I guess the music sometimes is just a little heavy for my taste, um, which is weird because if it's like classic rock, I can deal with some of the heavier stuff, but some of the more modern stuff isn't as please pleasing to my ears i don't know i'd take a tool i have uh, you know compared to half these tool bands that are out there today they're just unless the unless you just need to to, to search deeper because i'm not like out there trying to find bands when we were in high school like you said we were getting hit by bands on all fronts our friend's mom was very hip we were out there looking for stuff um there was just so much more uh, passion. Yeah, for like us I to said, we, we've liked. Music and- yeah, we we liked everything, right? I mean, we did like. I mean, I I still try and listen to a little bit of everything. Like I said, all the all the genres. I don't really think that there's a genre I don't. Maybe 
I like old country. I don't like modern country, but I do like bluegrass. Like I like alternative the, country. I like the musicianship aspect of it. I don't want to hear like the whiny voices type stuff. If that makes you sense, you don't like the chicks. No, that's not it. That it's it's not it has, it has nothing to do with that. It's something about like modern. No, not the chicks. chicks no, no, I know. Band, I'm, I'm saying, and what I'm saying is, I don't like the mod, just the modern sound of that. I just want to hear like the, um, you know, like the Waylon Jennings or Jerry Reed. You know, these old phenomenal musicians. Even like rockabilly stuff. Some of that stuff's crisp. Chet Atkins, you know, so. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it has more to do with, like I said, I just gravitate towards people that are like talented musician wise, you know, like if you can play your instrument, I'm in, that's what it comes down to for me pretty much. Mine's the originality factor. Like the country that, that I have these friends that go to this, this country festival in Michigan every year. And I've, I've listened to some of the bands and it all, it all just sounds the same. Like it, again, it's this formula that they've came up with and then they, they know it's going to work and they're singing about their beer and their woman and this and that. And it's just like, dude, I've heard this a thousand times before. And it's hard for me. I I don't want to generalize at all because there are sick musicians. I'm trying to think of this one guy. He released an album and it was all guitar and it was unbelievable. And he's like, damn, what's his name? But he's one of the most popular. That's what I was saying about uh, Billy strings. If you don't know who Billy strings is and you can't, you like bluegrass or that kind of music. Yeah. Dude, check out Billy Strings. There's some people that their voice and their guitar will haunt you. It's like an old western or something. You know, like it's just haunt your dreams. It's just this amazing thing. It like vibes you out completely. That's why I love the dead. You listen to the dead, it puts you in a place. I feel like I'm somewhere else. I feel like I'm in the music or whatever. You know, same thing with fish. I, you know, I, I want to listen to something that takes me away, not some two minute song that just repeats a you know a verse and then a chorus and then that's it. You know, with no good cadences or whatever so well the bottom line is the first time i ever heard fish i go i hate this shit <laughs> and then i listened to it I, seriously I, I i listened to fish didn't like them listen to the grateful dead hated them and that kind of music oh and i tried I to get was, you I guys was, i tried to get both you and rob into ween and umphreys hated, hated, hated both them. of them now you love both <laughs> of them i know that's the kind of music that it grows on you and then it sticks to you for life and i listen to the grateful dead and fish for both for two completely different reasons, even though they're both kind of uh, improv rock bands. They're both very, very different. But the Grateful Dead lyrics, those are some of the best words. They'll, Robert, they'll, they'll, Robert Hunter is a master. Yeah, they'll, they'll pierce you to your soul. and uh, He is yeah. absolutely a master songwriter. He just he knows how to capture like the spirit of, I don't even know, like like freedom, but also like love and beauty and like all these different topics. He's just, he can like paint pictures with his words that I just don't, you know, if you want to go listen to a song right now and cry, put on broke down palace, this thing will, this lullaby will. Right. Yeah. Well, he creates like a little slice of Americana. Like I, I bought this book for one of my friends for, for her birthday one time. And it was like all the grateful dead songs, but then it would break down the characters in the songs and what they like. Some of them were real. Some of them were fictional. And, the way this guy just created this whole universe and that's i took a poetry class in college and that's really what you want to do with your poem is create a mental landscape essentially you think of a poem as a word painting mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so like that's and then a song is a poem with the music that's why it's another elevated form of the poetry 
not saying that poetry can't be elevated, but when you add the music to the poem, that's that's when stuff magical stuff. Well, we talked about this too. I mean, there's two songwriting teams, or was in the Grateful Dead. It was uh, Robert Hunter and Jerry Garcia. Uh, Robert Hunter didn't really play music with them. He did afterwards. He joined the Dead after Jerry passed away and would play like intermissions and stuff like that. But I don't think he ever played much on stage. I could be wrong, but. Um, but then you have, uh, Weir and Barlow and they wrote a lot of like more traditional music mixed with some like more modern-y rock type stuff too. So it was like kind of like a weird mix there. Um, but yeah, the two greats, I mean, that's what made the Grateful Dead so relevant for so long. And so interesting for so long is they did have two different, you know, writing teams while also this complete vibe, like I said, they what was I reading? It was somebody's, it might've been the Jerry Garcia biography or it might've been Phil Lesh's biography. I can't remember, but they talk about how they just played and they, it was just chaos for a long time. And then at some point that chaos turned into some cohesive thing and everybody became like a finger on a hand and every, they, they looked at themselves as like a, you know, this hand is like this unit and they were each a finger on that hand and it yeah, kind of cohesive all, unit. Yeah, yeah, it kind of just came together and their music started to kind of do that. And um yeah, I don't know. I think that I look at that and um yeah, and you know, I know there's like windows and lucky things happen and thing but I think if you put yourself in the right position, um I think you can make things happen. So I think it's it's possible to do something like that even you know become a 30 40 year band nowadays you could do something like that if you're good enough or you have something to offer that the other bands or musicians don't but do you think a lot of bands nowadays are taking lsd or you know psychedelic drugs and <laughs> it's hard to say to I, write? I, mean, I would say yeah actually I pro- there's probably more people i mean look at you know everything that's going on with these movements and some of these states decriminalizing and i would say yeah there's probably well, there's more people and if it's more popular and it's less stigmatized, I would imagine there's probably more people taking it, but I don't think that by taking the compounds, it makes you a better musician. I think it's like talking about these esoteric things or whatever. I think that it can give you these like visionary or outside the box experiences, but it'll just amplify what you're already kind of into. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So, Oh yeah. I'm not saying that if you take mushrooms, you're going to write stairway to heaven the next day that obviously you need to have all the right, tools put into place but yeah i mean i think um but what do you think about like the whole rock scene when you're when you're into rock and roll you're drinking booze you're you know you're swigging booze you're you're taking pills you're getting crazy and it's all like this taboo lifestyle what are you talking about like in the 60s or 70s yeah but like you were saying nowadays like taking psychedelics it's not taboo anymore so that whole rough like persona isn't really there anymore. Do you think that has anything to do with like being these, these outsiders and these guys, like you take a band like Led Zeppelin, these guys were out to stir shit up. Like they were going, they were, they're dressing weird. They were rocking harder than anyone's ever heard. They were taking blues and just like pushing it way, way further than a guy with an acoustic guitar singing about, you know, his dog. They were going on stage and just going off, going ballistic, and it was a combination. Obviously, yeah, but I mean, you bring it up right there. They did take that from somewhere else. I mean, everything's kind of influenced from something else. And I mean, the Rolling Stones, who you know, mm-hmm. whoever you want to say, a lot of these musicians did rip off other musicians. I wouldn't say rip off. I would say, 
you know, it's maybe some cases they did. I don't know enough about that, you know, whole thing. But I know even Led Zeppelin, there was recently a, a copyright thing where this other band claimed that they wrote oh, yeah. Stairway to Heaven. So, I mean, even yeah. that, you just mentioned Stairway to Heaven. So, um, music's a weird thing in the sense that I don't know if there's even that much you know, like have all the possibilities been kind of played out? I mean, it's a numbers thing, so technically there should be infinite possibilities of well, that's the well, you can chords. Play ECG, it, the, the chord no, I know. I'm ECG, saying, but, should but you there, don't have to sing the same melody over it. The right, melody but, could be anything you want. What I'm saying is, technically, there should be infinite options in terms of no, uh, you know, uh, sequences. But you look at music and you listen to music. There's a lot of people that redo songs or you know, re they pay the artists the the money and then so they can re-record a new version of it. You know, whatever the case may be, you see a lot of that now. So I think that, you know, you think to yourself, like, has a lot of these possibilities already been exhausted in terms of songs or chord patterns or melodies or whatever the case may be? Yeah, I think that, well, I think it is infinite because with beats, melodies... I, I don't think you could ever run out, but yeah, there's obviously going to be some kind of shared. Hey, haven't you ever written something or played oh, something where you're like, this sounds awesome. And then you're pissed. like, Oh, and then you're like, Oh, this is already a song. I throw that right in the garbage. Yeah. But here's the weird thing. Now, how did you come up with that? Is it something that was in your subconscious from, um, you know what I'm saying? Like, did that melody get stuck in your subconscious? So when you heard it while you played it, you're like, Oh, that something clicked. Or do you think it's some, do you get what I'm saying? Or do you think it's something that, um, do you think it's something that happens, um, just by chance? I'm pulling it out of the ether. Yeah. It, it's probably more from the, of the, you've already heard it and your ear, cause like the, the human ear wants to resolve, like we're getting back to the mathematic realm of the music, like music wants to go in a way and everyone's kind of familiar with it, especially when you grow up listening to a certain, yeah. like if we grew up, you know, in the, in like the four, the nine in the 1400s or something, and we were writing music, our ear would want the, the song to go in a certain way. And now that we're used to the one, four, five progressions and all this blues and stuff like that, we're just, we're like, Oh, that's the way that that song should resolve is with that chord or the melody should go in this direction. So I think that we are programmed to a degree and that's why and that's the problem where when a new guy comes out like a like a flaming lips for instance and they write some weird song where the where the chord progression goes off in a direction that you aren't well that's what i was saying that's what a deceptive cadence is that's i I like that because it's different and sometimes it resolves in like a more beautiful way than like the common everybody does it way and that's like the, the same thing with fish like they're gonna play stuff that isn't tasty to the ear at points but they're doing it like they're building up this soundscape where it might not be pleasing because they're anticipating but that I'm makes resolving. the climaxes of the jams that more climactic i think by doing to that you, yes and to me i like that too i think that has something to do with having an ear for music if you've either played it maybe you have perfect pitch whatever the case may be I think you can pick up on some of these concepts to it's like anything else you know if you study music you're going to understand uh, when even when you listen to it, what's going on? I remember when I first started playing guitar that I didn't even really hear bass that much in music growing up. Like I didn't think about it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Other than maybe rap music, but like in actual bands though, or like 
rock music or whatever. I just never really thought about bass. And then when I start playing guitar, I'm like, oh, I hear that. I would start separating the, the instruments in my mind, you know? So yeah, I think that playing music, I think definitely helps you understand what's going on with the music. It's a different love for it though. You know, it's not just, oh, I love this song. It's, I love this song because this, 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 and this. Yeah, which it's hard to really pinpoint why you love a particular song either. It can phase a, like the whole, the lyrics could mean something completely different, but what you get out of it might be something special to you. Yeah, that could be it too. Um, but I think that when you, I mean, there's been times like we saw, I'm trying to think what concert it was. There was a moment during, okay, so we saw Dark Star Orchestra. I think it was at the State Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I ate some psilocybin. And there was a moment where it goes from um, China Cat Sunflower to I Know You Rider. You know, that mm-hmm. like brief Yeah, the classic jam, China that, Rider. Yeah, that jam in between, that segue jam. And I just remember like those guys just something they did i felt like the music just like turned up in my mind or something i don't know how to explain it but something went off i got the chills the music got louder in my ears and i was like overcome with like emotion it was just this weird feeling it was like this altered state of like ecstasy within the music i don't know how to explain it but i just remember like that wasn't even the real grateful dead those guys do a great job but um yeah, well, you could only imagine what it was like back in the day with the actual band, but yeah, that is a phenomenal representation. I mean, that's probably the best cover band ever. Well, okay, so, and that's the other thing. It's like people think of cover bands, like, oh, just a bunch of guys playing cover songs. Well, Dark Star Orchestra, if you know, like, the... If you know the culture around the Grateful Dead, you know, there's certain years where Jerry's on this side of the stage and Bob's on this side of the stage or, you know, the drummers, you know, Mickey Hart's over here and Kreutzmann's over there or Phil Lesh is over here. So there's different alignments. There's different songs that they play at certain periods of, you know, so there's all those things that come into uh, come into the picture. And when you're a live band, I think when you're when you're a cover band of a live band, it gives you unlimited possibilities because you can then do all those like setup things and it becomes more intricate and, you know, more of a similar experience. Plus it's a lot more fulfilling to be a dead cover band where you can improvise and come up with your own melodies on the spot. Whereas you're, if you're doing a Beatles cover band, you got to kind of play stuff to the T or right. people are going to start throwing tomatoes at you. And I think it's weird though. Cause I, I think that music is a personal thing. I think you should just be able to listen to music and zone out if that's what you like. I think that you should be able to listen to music and pick it apart in your mind. If you want, I think, you, you know, you should be able to listen to music in all these different ways. I just find that lately, I feel like I haven't seen anything that was like really that game changing in terms of like music, whether it's music innovation um, some sort of new genre completely or some fusion thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I yeah. felt like there was more of that happening even when we were younger. Well, I think the the last great era of music was the 90s with all the grunge and all that stuff. There was, not only was it all the grunge stuff, but you had the bands like Fish coming out of the woodwork and uh, lots of jam bands. And even the hip hop stuff. Like that. That's my some of my favorite hip hop stuff. Too. I love that stuff, man. Again, people are like, oh, rap sucks. It's like, well, when you give, when you get, anything like techno there's good techno it's just when you when anyone can make it on their computer then there's going to be a lot of junk 
it's gonna you know it's yeah. not just gonna be all great but like rap well i think you put a beat down and you rap over it i think i mean dr dre's a, dr dre's a real master this guy oh he's, he's unbelievable phenomenal um yeah that was i mean when we were younger that was you know warren g regulators that was the oh i still sing it baby that that melody and that those hooks man that's some unbelievable shit right there um i love that song uh but yeah i think that um i don't know man i just i don't like where i don't like where a lot of things are going to be honest with you but i don't love uh what i see with music lately so what do you think the answer is i don't know i don't know that maybe there's just not a golden era of music could be i don't know but that's a, I almost feel like maybe it, maybe parents. this has to happen so there is some future appreciation. You know what I'm saying? Right, but th- wasn't this what our parents were saying? Is oh, the music today is junk. Yeah, you I thought about that. So so sh- t- show me what to listen to. G- give me some sort of in- innovative. You know who also you know had a good has a good year when we were living with him is Jay, our buddy Jay. He always mm-hmm. had some like new weird indie band that was like actually wrote really good songs. You know stuff like. Well, that's that. how we found like the Grizzly Bear band. I like yeah, those Grizzly guys. Bear. Those guys are good. I like that. Uh huh. Um, I'm trying to think who else, but yeah, there's just not like a ton, you know, it's like I said, any genre I'm down to listen to whatever. I just want it to be different. You know, I want it to be something that stands out for the melody and the, the structure. Yeah. That's uh, why I was kind of, that's why I was like, Oh, when I found that war on drugs band, I'm like, these guys are writing <laughs> six, seven minute songs. I go, they're really, these things aren't radio ready. But again, I guess radio ready is a bunch of horseshit now because there is no radio. Well, maybe it has something to do with like the consumerism aspect or like the market aspect of it too. You know, like maybe since there is so much stuff out there, there's less importance put on that side of things, meaning that there, there can just be more, more options and more things without anything really standing out. So this band, the war on drugs, they formed in 2005. So I guess they're kind of new. 15 um, years old. Right. <laughs> and I'm just trying to think. I don't, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, there's just a bunch of like random Instagram people I follow from like, you know, people pay for like ads or like there's a clip of somebody doing something cool. I like musicianship. If you can play um, your instrument well, I'm in. Or sing well or rap well or whatever. If you can, you know, blow my mind, that's what I want. Yeah, well, maybe if anybody knows any good stuff that we should yeah. check out, leave a comment below. Leave a we're, comment we're, below for sure. I, we're, I'm always willing to listen to new stuff for sure. But um, when it comes to like these compounds and the way these things interacted, obviously we did some of those trip report episodes had a lot to do with like some of our concert experiences or, um, you know, mixture of like music and psychedelics and stuff like that. But I do think that there is something synergetic happening with those two things. I don't know if it's because of um, the connections in the brain and then maybe there's some other dimension of the music that you can kind of access that you might not be able to access normally. Um, I mean, what, what do you think about that? I think you're just kind of turning off the flow from... I, I think it's the same aspect of how you can write better stuff when you're you're on a substance it's just like helping it's almost putting you into like a a, an awakened dream state if you will where you're not so hyper focused on day-to-day tasks and it allows your mind to kind of right 
roam freely and not be so judgmental, especially with the cannabis. I know a lot of people say that they, they have to smoke it, which you don't have to do it, but there is a right. level of uh, putting your mind at ease. And, you know, again, if, you, if you're if you in the camp of that we're being off, like reality is a feed of some, like consciousness is some kind of feed, then these substances, they might be, you know, putting roadblocks in front of that feed, which allows you to tap into more of a, again, a dreamlike area, which I think music and creativity when you tap into it in the right space is, is more of a dreamlike zone. Um, and I, I do think that, um, I don't know. I think, I think that maybe this era of stuff has to happen again. I just don't know. Maybe you're right though. Maybe part of it is we're out of just touch with what's going on. But I mean, like I said, I've tried to listen to a lot of stuff and it's not like the, um, it's not like what you were saying, like how every like older generation doesn't like the younger generation. It's not. It's not like that to me. Because how do you know though? Because I know our parents thought they they heard this 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 hippity hop. No, no, because, and they didn't like that. Okay, so that's not that's not what I'm talking about though. I'm talking about because like I like all forms of music. So if there's new bands coming out in those genres, shouldn't I therefore then like some of that music? I I, I guess so, but at the same time, our like we're we're so connected to guitar, bass, and drums. It doesn't matter if it's hard rock, country. We're still in that that mindset. Maybe the new age music is more of a computer based thing. I don't I'm know. I'm fine Again, with if, if digital, man. Of, like I said, it's it's. I don't know if it's that. I really don't know if it's that. And maybe it is just like I said. Maybe everything's just so saturated because it used to be a time not that long ago where not everybody could record. You know what I'm saying? You had to go to a recording studio. So now if you look on like SoundCloud or Bandcamp or all these different platforms, you know, there's tons of bands on there with tons of different music. And I've listened to actually a lot of different stuff. That's what I'm saying. I've listened to a lot of stuff that especially a few years ago before we started this podcast, I was playing in bands still. So I listened to all the other bands to know kind of what's going on. And yeah, there's some stuff that's cool out there, some stuff I like. But again, I feel like musicianship's been lacking uh, of late. Like, I don't feel like there's that same techne or like, you know, taking um, an artist, a true artist approach to it anymore. That's just how I feel. Maybe I'm wrong. So again, well, send, yeah, send us you, recommendations. I'm totally willing to listen to whatever. So Yeah, I want our, I want our listeners to, to send us recommendations. I also want our listeners to to tell us what do they think the next era of music's going to be is it going to be fully electronic is our instruments coming back is the flute coming back like what's going on here you know what i'm saying because if you go to different countries they're still kind of behind the times that we are as far as music like you'll hear old school like arabian it almost sounds like these guys are playing like a snake charmer tune or something these are popular songs in different countries right now so Maybe it's just that's the American just their culture, saturated man. Mar- that's that's just their culture. No, I know that. I'm just saying they're not into this whole like. I guess America just travels way faster than other cultures, but the music that they're listening to is kind of similar to the music they were listening to a hundred years ago. It's still very basic melody, very basic instrumentation. It's not techno. It's not like heavily heavily driven electronic. Well, bass uh, okay, so I mean, like even that. like you're talking, you know, so like you have. 
you know, during ayahuasca ceremonies, there's traditional ikaros, you know, these like chanting and like drums and this, this whole vibe with that, you know, and, uh, they say that those songs come from the plant itself, you know, so right. I, maybe more people in Western or modern society should tap into more of that too, from like, if you are going to use these compounds or, um, have a reverence for them. Maybe if you're a musician, that that's not the worst thing to kind of go back to the whole, you know, what's 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 the connection of these things within you telling you, you know, like what's going on there? Tell that story. I, I think that when you do take a psychedelic substance, especially like a psilocybin, where that's when I really started to connect with like like a band like the Grateful Dead because the the album Working Man's Dead. This is some basic stuff. There's two guitars bass right. and drums and keys it, it, there's not really much i think they just recorded it all at the same time maybe there is an overdub here or there but it's super basic and that's i think the the more basic stuff kind of resonates more when you're on those substances i don't know if it's because it's harder for your brain to wrap around the, the complexity of the newer music or if it's just not as good or what the deal is there yeah so red brand was asking about um that's a good name i don't know if that's a play off of red band or what but or if you're a fan of brand from uh you know what's that called game don't of thrones but yeah for, so uh 432 hertz um as far as like the difference um we actually recorded didn't i record us some meditation tracks i think i did yeah two of them i believe one for i think one of them was like psychedelic space i called it and one of them was uh, the both for meditation, actually. But you could use, obviously, whatever if you want to get weird to have at it. Um, but, yeah, what was the name here? I'm going to pull it up right now. Take a look at it because I forget. I forgot I was doing that. Yeah. So I created a 432 hertz meditation and trip music there. And then a 432 hertz sleep music track that I created for our channel. You can go back and watch them or meditate to them or like I said, get weird, but, um, do I think that there's a difference between Hertz for sure with meditation and like, if you're going inner space while just listening to it. Um, and I think in terms of, there's some people that talk about like these different frequencies, like to, it's a pain in the ass when you're playing a band, you know, you're playing in a band, like you can tune a guitar to the different frequencies, but when somebody's got a keyboard, I mean, I'm sure you can do a lot now and change the frequencies with that too, but yeah, the A is what, 440 or yeah, everybody has to kind of shift over. So like there's some people, um, that claim, you know, 428 or something like that. I forget what the, there's a different frequency that you want to switch to from 440, um, I don't necessarily buy into that for like band stuff and it's just a pain in the butt when you're in a band. Like, I don't think that, um, the music itself would have that much of an effect positive or negative. Um, I'd like to see maybe some studies done on that, but, um, I think a lot of this stuff just becomes like, you know, like myth too, you know, like something, Oh, you got to do this or do that because of this, you know, and nobody ever really fully looks into it. But I will say that I've noticed a difference in meditation, when you're listening to different Hertz, uh, via meditation and actually, um, binaural beats to even have a more of a different impact than the higher range Hertz. In so my what's opinion. the better one to do the higher or the lower? Uh, the one I do, I think it's five. Let me pull it up here. 
The one I go to, when, I don't know when the, I go to meditative mind here. Let me see. Meditative mind has a bunch of good tracks. And what is it? It's just one like hum. What, what's yeah? No, there's like a wave. It's like, um, oh yeah. So it's 528 Hertz. Uh, it says bring positive transformation, heal golden chakra. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know about any of that, but yeah. Ter- so I don't want to ever hear you giving me stuff about beats, the frequencies, man. No, I, they're obviously the real deal. What do you mean? Molecules are pretty, or everything, like some subatomic particles and all the micro stuff. It's all vibration and energy. I'm not making Thank fun. You. I'm saying that you take this thing to like a, Maurice, uh, mystical Maurice land. And well, uh, if the basis of us is a frequency, then why couldn't I'm not, we expand? I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just like making fun of you sometimes. Exactly. So. Yeah. I don't think our audience knows that and I don't appreciate it. No, ah! no, but, uh, I mean, I like meditate, you know, to certain frequencies. Sometimes other times I like complete silence. I guess it I just, I ask you, yeah. Is it, it always just, a sound? It or? depends. I mean, what do you do when you do it? Uh, the whenever the, 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 I have a real hard time shutting my brain off, so I try and do these guided meditations, and I don't think there's a frequency going. It's just people talking, which yeah. probably isn't the most advanced form. Yeah, and we've had uh, Brian Scott on a few times. He does those guided meditations on his channel. He, I think he's got a good voice and music for that kind of stuff too. Yeah. Um, and there's a bunch, you know, like I said, meditative mind is one I use a lot. Um. But yeah, I mean, in terms of, you know, I like to get weird, take a couple hits off uh, some live resin or something uh, before I meditate or listen to music. I remember one of the first times I really smoked and smoked some some of the, the good stuff back in the day um, mm. when I was younger. I remember putting on complete dark side of the moon and just like listening um, and just like zoning out completely and just being in that whole vibe that's why i love pink floyd pink floyd grateful dead fish almond brothers they kind of take you know they take you on this journey that they have like a whole vibe about them absolutely um but i mean i don't know what do you think in terms of uh i just remember that specific that time and then another time (laughs) I don't know where I was, I forget, but I remember I had to like covertly smoke this bowl and then uh, I go down into the darkness. I think I was staying at somebody's house and I threw on uh, Shine On Your Crazy Diamonds and this thing was just crisp in my ears. Oh, yeah. Well, that's one of the the best Journey songs ever. Yeah. I love that. My my one friend actually has the tattoo of the doom, 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 doom. He has that wrapped around his arm. Yeah. The actual music note. That's a pretty cool tattoo idea, I thought. Do, 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 do. But I don't know. I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, a lot of the stuff that we've talked about at, like, concerts, you know, like I said on those Trip Report episodes, um, I think we'll do another one or two of these episodes on music and psychoactive compounds, but it'll be more... I want to kind of look at like studies that have been done with this kind of stuff, you know, more of the actual data and science behind it and see what that says. Yeah. My mom always was trying to get me to become a music therapist and I didn't really want to, you know, we were rockers. We were into playing live shows and that kind of thing. But now that we've been doing all our research and stuff like that, like also with me, I love to just 
singing is very therapeutic to me. So when I'm singing and things like that, but as far as the, the therapy goes, even just listening to sounds, like you were saying, particular hurts and things like that can get your mind in a different state of state of mind, I guess. Yeah. Actually, I was going to say, um, Kyle from, uh, the brothers of the serpent podcast who we've had, we've had a show on before, uh, Kyle has a band called $50 Dynasty, I believe is their name. Their music's pretty good. I mean, you can tell there's some, uh, it's like rock, but there's like some, you know, Radiohead-ish kind of influence in there. And Mm -hmm. it's like chill, kind of funky, kind of, uh, you know, some of it just, I don't know how to explain it. Just go check it out, though. Sounds right up our alley, Yeah, you probably like it, Maurice. It's called uh, $50 Dynasty. I know they were just working on a new album, too, a few months ago. I think it's out, so beautiful um but yeah i mean is there anything else you can think of in terms of uh music wise and how it connects to i mean i feel like if you ever had one of those like harmonic convergence feelings at like a concert before or um the first fish show i ever went people or something like yeah the first fish show i ever went to because i wasn't very aware of uh live improvisation i was a freshman in high school and just being there and everybody kind of getting into the song together and cheering and like screaming when the, when the band climaxed, I never was a part of something as collective as that. And that, that actually propelled me down the the path of wanting to play music and write music and jam. And, uh, it's just, it's quite moving when you're, you're at a concert. A lot of people like live music is just such a different atmosphere altogether. The mood and then just could the people all connecting to the same music at the same time. Like you can go in your basement and listen yeah, the to the vibration. Headphones. Yeah, exactly. You, but <laughs> you know, you're by, you're by yourself in your basement. It's, it's awesome. You, you got some crisp music going in your ears and this and that, but you're, it's, it's more of a, a solo activity. When you go to a concert, everybody is there together and it's just a, a full heightened experience. Yeah. Um, that's the, I think that's that's the ultimate in my mind. I I love live music and I've made it a part a parent to go to as much live music as I can and I think that's just reverberated down since we've been in high school. I we've seen a lot of concerts in our day and hopefully sooner than later we'll be able to continue that uh yeah. that experience. Yeah, and we actually I remember we loved Fish that Dead so much. I remember we used to trade tapes like VHS and like cassette tapes with people like oh, you've got this live recording of this fish show. And I remember, um, I mean, I remember there was that Steve Miller, Steve Miller band uh, dead show that we had. There's some fish ones. I remember Ryan gave you those like two shoebox fill, oh, yeah. full of uh, cassette. Old yeah, cassette tape. You had like the lemon wheel shows. on. You had, you had a ton of stuff actually, those, those tapes. So, yeah, I mean, back then you had cassette tapes and VHSs and stuff, so. I mean, that was the beginning of Napster, you know, trade music for <laughs> I forgot free. about, yeah. It was Napster. What was the other one? Um, Lime. Uh, Wire? LimeWire, yeah. Napster brought the whole industry crumbly. I remember Metallica. These guys were very upset. They sued. Yeah. And they just they they just didn't get much from it. But yeah, yeah it's it's a it's a it's a sticky situation being a musician. It's like you want to get compensated for for your recording and all that stuff, but how much money is enough money 
you know that's 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 the yeah question i mean but hand. here's the other thing i don't think a lot of these musicians are getting that much out of it now unless you're like a top name no now it's now it's more harm than good but back then when the only bands that were around were bands that had multi-million dollar contracts right. to be able to go into a studio and record now anyone can make a, uh, an album in their house and unfortunately yeah but like I, for me, I guess what i'm saying I, is like you can upload your free. stuff to spotify but i think for spotify to come to you be like we're going to give you you know 10 million dollars or 100 million dollars or whatever you have to be like a top act or a name or whatever you know right you have to be you know like a taylor swift or like you know even joe rogan's 100 million dollar podcast deal you know they obviously these streaming services, I don't know how they compensate, but just think about how many times some of the stuff gets streamed because it's so easy to stream it. There's probably people that listen to the same song three, four times on like a loop. Yeah, I don't know how it works these days, but it all boils back down to the live show. You got to get out there and pound the pavement and uh, earn the money the old-fashioned way. Like before it was you made an album and then you went on tour to support the album. Now... I, I don't even know about an album. You pretty much have singles, but you're only making your money by playing live shows. Right. Yeah, there's been times, too, uh, somebody was talking about, like, lyrics and, like, weird things. And um, I feel like there's certain times where I'll listen to a song, or I have in the past, and it'll, like, go along the lyrics or, like, the vibe will go along with, like, what's going on, how I feel. Yeah, that's interesting. Have you ever had that where, like, something weird or... I mean, obviously, I'm sure it's happened for people like watching TV and stuff too. But yeah, I, I I don't know if it's more of a coincidence or what it may be. I guess that's a whole conversation for that could be a whole new can of worms. You know it's what I'm saying? It's a whole different one. Yeah. 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 What would you say is your top music in combination with psychoactive compound experience of all time? It's that it's that one time I was in the basement playing the bass, man. Oh, at I, uh, in college at Western. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's first of all, if you're if, unless you're doing this stuff every day, it's hard to function on it. So I don't even know if I could play the normal guitar. But the bass was. A <laughs> you nice, go. Let's easy. let's go to the footage. It shows him. He's going bing bong, bing <laughs> yeah. bong. It's like a. I, I would love to hear it. Have you ever seen those time, videos? I felt like I was unbelievable. Have you ever seen? Yeah, those, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Trey Shred shreds or like Steve yeah, I man. shreds, and it's like eat. Oh, uh, yeah, John Petrucci shreds. But that's probably what the music sounds like to some people that aren't, you know, used to it, yeah. plinking and plunking. But <laughs> yeah, my top experience, man, I was, and but 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 at the same time, who cares what it really sounded like? To me, it sounded unbelievable, and yeah. to me, it was an experience that I'll hold on to for the rest of my life. So that's 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 my go-to. What about you? Um, I'd say the one that I just told you about in high school when we saw that Dark Star, because I've had. Look, I've had some pretty profound experiences at concerts, but there was something weird that happened at that Dark Star Orchestra show. Like I said, that the music got like louder, and it like it like took took me over in a way that I've never experienced before. It gave me the chills, and just I don't know, there was something very like powerful and like emotional about it. Um, it overtakes me. And I, yeah, I've had other, you know, I've had. I guess more of like the chills at other shows, but there was something weird. It was like an altered state of consciousness, I guess is what's kind of separated that one aside from the other ones. Yeah. It's funny too. Cause our one, our other cousin, we should get him to come on and talk about it. His, he had an out of body experience at a dark star show. He said he will float it above his body and watched himself dance into people <laughs> left and right. 
but that's we'll save that for another time, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I told him. I told Ra we'd get him on. I told him, actually I told him we should get him on and talk about that. Uh, well, we'll save it for the secret show. We won't even talk about it. But beautiful, beautiful. But yeah, we, I'd like to invite everybody to smash that like button if they enjoyed today's episode. It helps us grow. And uh, you got anything so else going on? We will be back late night tomorrow night with Super Volcano Part Two. Uh, it's. I'm going to do a little recap at the beginning because part one was so long ago towards the end of the year with all the craziness in the media and stuff. We kind of got away. We just stuck to like either you and I or guest episodes and kind of got away from what we were doing with like the slideshow stuff or the ancient Greece series. So I have the Eleusinian mysteries one ready to go at some point here and then super volcano part two and then we're going to continue to do what we were doing before on top of having guests on. Like I said, Matthew Johnson, uh, psychedelic researcher, will be on on Saturday live. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that. If you haven't seen his stuff, he was on Lex Friedman's podcast recently, and it's a it's a phenomenal episode. A lot of the stuff I'm already, you know, we've talked about on the show many times, or it's like a repeat, but like um, when you go on a show like that that's very popular and you're, speaking to a, an audience that maybe isn't so well read into psychedelics. I mean, those are the kind of crossover um, episodes and experiences that I think will get a lot more attention and be very good for the psychedelic movement and stuff. So, Absolutely. So looking forward to that. And uh, one more time, if you have not already, head on over to indrasweb.org and sign up for a profile. It is live. Um, we are working on getting it in the App Store I don't know when that will be, but hopefully it'll be sometime soon. Um, so yeah, head on over there. It's pretty active. We do have some people on there now going back and forth. There's some interesting posts as well. Uh, it's a way to connect open minds. If you've got a, a fringe or alternative hypothesis or theory or just you know looking at some sort of interesting research or something, as well as mainstream stuff too, you know that's the place to talk about it. So mm-hmm. head there. And one more time, go to patreon.com slash podcast. Um, we do have uh, each tier set up with uh, Discord you know, roles. So if you go to our Discord channel, uh, we will get you set up on there depending on what uh, tier you sign up for. But just $2 a month, our most basic tier, will get you exclusive guest episodes and segments. I've recently put two up there. And, uh, yeah, secret escapees. We will be doing another secret episode soon. And that will be, that's our $10 tier. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, you can just head on over to mindescapepodcast.com too. So beautiful, beautiful. All right, folks. Well, we love everybody. Stay safe out there. We'll be back tomorrow night and, uh, Maurice is back. And we got a lot of stuff coming up here. So that's a lot to be excited for. So we love everybody. Stay safe out there. And we'll catch you next time. Peace.